Welcome back to another episode of Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. This is your host, your buddy, it's Brooks. This is episode 42 called Gray Sky Gone Blue Again. This episode is very special in that um, we're going to get the best of Chris. We're going to get a lot of heavy material, but also a lot of laughter, um, a lot of self-reflection, and I encourage you, as you go through this episode, to, to, to really let a lot of what Chris is saying sink in and look for areas in your life where we can start to implement this right away. Uh, this episode had a unique impact on me personally, and I, I can't wait to share that with you later in the episode. But um, what I'm going to do to start is I'm going to do what I do best, which is shut up and get the hell out of the way so I can let Chris do what he does best which is go on a long, winding, ranty mode that has a lot of deep insight, a lot of beautiful nuggets and pearls, and, and just some, some very, very foundational truths. And if we can start to use what Chris is putting out there into practicing and putting into our own life, I, just, I know that this may be uh, one of the most impactful episodes that you'll hear in this journey as we move through Chris's work together. So I'm going to let Chris open up the show. His episode is about an hour long, a little bit over an hour, and we're going to listen to the first third of this show. And the reason, again, it's a little over 20 minutes. The reason is because it, it is just, it encapsulates so many things that I just imagine to be Chris's true spirit in nature, like the his soul self stepping through all of the human tendencies and really landing on some truths that he's chosen to share with us. And um, yeah, I, I for one am grateful. So I'm going to let Chris do his thing for about 23 minutes and I'll see you on the other side. Saturday afternoon. I know usually our podcast on Friday nights. That didn't happen this week, man. I had a lazy Vice Friday. I didn't really post any pictures or make a big deal of it this week because it really, well, let me tell what happened. It ended up not being that impressive. I hung out. I chilled. Uh, me and some friends drank a bottle of scotch. Glenlivet mixed with a little bit of just a little bit of apple juice, which is a very fine drink. And then a bit of ice cream. No giant pizza. No massive mound of pork fried rice no crunchy crispy things really <laughs> just your average friday night but hey an average friday night's better than just about any other day of the week and so it is this afternoon i'm glad to be with you <clears throat> as the torch begins to fade out 
uh, I think what I'll start with is just, you know, coming out with the obvious, man. I'm coming off of Fade Out Torch. <laughs> there, it hits. there we go. Got it. Uh, I'm coming out of, uh, as many of you guys know, you pay attention to the Instagram and everything. Uh, first, I must, I must thank you. I'm coming out of a bad time, and I got some nice tweets, and I got some nice feedback and some emails and stuff. Didn't have the best of weeks. Um, as I alluded to, then sort of said the best way I could without, you know, sharing too much of it. But, yeah, my, my pops passed away on Thanksgiving Day, which was a, a real bummer. But, <clears throat> you know, all the the pain of that stuff is, is out of the picture now, mostly. I mean, we're, we're all better. I don't want to bum anybody out by doing anything sad. This is not a sad show. This is a, a show. A celebration and the intake of chemicals and all that kind of stuff and talking training and talking life. But this, you know, this is a part of life. But I want to focus on... The, the part I see now, now that my brain is sort of recovering a bit where I can make sense of it all and see the lessons, because it is, you're not going to have a moment in your life more impactful than that. You're not, you're not going to come away from it unchanged. That is the, you know, the death of a parent or really the death of anybody who serves a parent type role or a close friend, or, you know, a brother, sibling, whatever. <clears throat> this is, it's, it's a big landmark. It's going to change. It's like the birth of a kid. I feel as changed by this as when my, my son Max was born. And I imagine I'll be changed again radically. I'll be reduced to a molten mess of man flesh in April as well when my daughter gets here. I mean, this is too much. But let me get into this little first part. It's a humble fucking primate trying to make sense of a crazy wild ride of life. I'm there, right there with you, friend. Thanks for joining me. Uh, but yeah, but the, the, there's a beautiful lesson in this. And that's, that's the sheer connection I got to feel. One of the things that was great was that because it's a time of year when everybody's around, uh, everybody can be around <laughs> to support you. All your family's in town. Um, it sucks that everybody is showing up to an event like that on holiday break, but it's also very fortunate if you're in my position or you know, you know anybody who cared about the guy <clears throat> to have all your friends and family there to to lean on and to 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 drive support from. And I've always been, you know, I'm, I'm like a guy like any other. Look, hey, I try to be a tough guy. Uh, I try not to cry and do this, that, and the other. But you got to learn in this life. The sooner you can learn to, I think, to either like you know in um, from any perspective, it could be your career, creative thing, job, pursuit, all that kind of thing. And it could also be athletic pursuits. It could be a time of great pain. If you can learn to lean on the people who who can give you what you need when you don't have the ability to do it. So if you don't have the advice to give yourself, which is most of us most of the time, uh, if you don't have a solution to a problem and somebody else, it's just, it's just their thing. They're they made to do this. So all you need to do is is lower your ego a little bit and fucking take their advice, take their help. Or in a time like this where you want to be the guy standing upright and keeping his, his upper lip stiff, uh, but you can't. You physically can't. So the more you can rely on your friends and family, and the more you can reach out and, and have great people like you give support and then take that. That's such a huge lesson. So I felt all that connection. I was really strengthened by it, and that was great. But also when you, the strangest thing I noticed in this whole thing, the most illuminating, most powerful life lesson, the most changing thing, I just found myself one afternoon looking at pictures, <clears throat> pictures I've seen before. I wasn't like I hadn't seen this stuff before. It's just that when you see, I mean, for those who have lost a parent, maybe you're going to feel the same thing or you can recall the same feeling. And again, I'm sorry that you had to feel that. I'm right there with you, man. It sucks. It's, it's terrible. But, um, you know, for everybody who, who is now not having experienced that, like pick up a picture of your parent and look at it. You see this person, you know, it's your parent. You can see their, them younger, maybe your age, uh, 
<clears throat> but really all you see is all oh, this younger person young, younger version of the person who has always told me what to do <laughs> and i love them but oh, that's just pops that's just mom you know whatever you have that feeling and it's okay it's sort of natural i, I think but what really came into extraordinarily clear focus for me was that I immediately picked a picture like my, my dad with like a crew cut at the age of 27 or something, or uh, a picture of him, which I post on Instagram. It's I'm about the age my son is now. So maybe I'm like, maybe I'm like three in that picture. I'm a little blonde headed kid who wasn't yet so bloated and riddled with powder thing scars and all that. But my dad's got me in his lap. We're looking at a, a, a pond. Look, I don't know if that pond still exists. Maybe I like to track it down. <clears throat> Part does not look as good as it did in this picture. But he's holding me, and I kind of put two and two together. And I look at it, I go, wow. So I'm sort of, the way I would hold my son now is the, and the way I would think and the way I would look at him and be proud of him or be frustrated by him, not ever stopping the process of shitting his pants. <laughs> you know, all these crazy emotions you have and all this, all this pride and joy. And all that. I go, holy shit. I mean, I was just like looking into the picture and feeling just what my dad must have felt. And I, for the first time, I was starting to see him as this guy who was in no way different than me uh, in my pursuits and what I want, what I want out of, out of my lives, my kids. <clears throat> uh, there really is no differentiation. I always thought, that's yeah, my dad. But now I just saw, here's this guy who's just like me. And it was so, it took my breath away. And it left me with, uh, not a regret. There's no regrets in this. So you can't go back and play that game. Not at that time. It's not, not healthy for anything. But the one thing it brought in the sharp focus is, wow, I wish I could have had that wisdom to, to see that and to work on that perspective when maybe he was around. I can delve into his emotions because you know you get to talking with your mom at a time like this and she starts letting out things like well he was expressing all these feelings and emotions he knew it was coming whether or not he even wanted to fight it all these intense emotions all these things it's the end of life it's heavy for everybody everybody's gonna go through this i'm sorry to bring it up but um yeah i got hints of all this emotion that i just never saw he would always keep you know one quote i, I quoted at his at my little speech i gave at his funeral was uh, that he reminded me always in these, well, he reminded me now, as I look back on all these things he did, he, all the bad health he suffered and all the strength he showed, was that <clears throat> there's this, this Sigmund Freud quote, <laughs> I butchered that, Sigmund Freud quote, that goes approximately like, um, you know, there's nothing a kid needs more in this world than the protection of a father. Now, whether that's actually true or not, because lots of people get on without it, but I got that in that I saw that he, my dad got that. He, he recognized that the last thing I needed to do to be hassled with is all his concerns and his worries and his emotions and his uh, hopes and, or fears or whatever, all the real shit you want to get into. But he thought that might distract me. He thought that I might get preoccupied with <clears throat> what he was going through, you know, all that stuff. And I won't say I regret that because, you know, I've been running around like a young idiot kid trying to sort my life out. And I'm only now arriving to a point where I'm like, yeah, this seems like it could be a, a, a path. One that would make me happy. One that wouldn't allow me to pass over all the details that norm, normal, normal, busy, hectic life folks have. You know that tendency to overlook things and skirt over details. It was giving me my chance to figure things out. I, you know, I don't. I wish I could have known, but maybe, maybe I wasn't ready to to feel all the weight of that. Maybe I did need the protection, as Sigmund would say. But I can look back on that and see that that's really what he was doing. He was privately having all this stuff and he struggles, and he didn't. He wasn't feeling great orthopedically. You know, hormonally, his, his body was just giving it up, and it's been this way for a while. <clears throat> There's a lot of pain there, but he, he never, this, this fucking guy never complained for one second about any of that. Uh, and then I even, I even said this line, I know, you can, you can expect me to say something outrageous at even a funeral, but I go, 
told everybody in attendance, like, you know what? It's, it's really crazy to have in one day, <clears throat> one split second, really, have your dad transition from this stubborn old asshole who would never quit smoking, who would never exercise at all. <laughs> and I've probably been telling him 20 years, hey, daddy, you quit smoking and move more. Come on, let's just do this. Lift some weights with me. He's like, no, 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 I don't worry about kid. But initially, it, it was just laziness. But in recent years, he just couldn't do it. You know, just, And I would still just rant and rant. He would tolerate my ranting. But I said, here's this guy who, for all these years, is just a stubborn asshole. And one day, he transitions. Like a, a switch just flips, and he becomes your hero. And that's a really wild thing. Uh, so I guess if there's one lesson I want to communicate out of this that I've sort of seen, now that my my molten brain is cooling, I'm getting thoughts around this whole process that happened. <clears throat> Again, sorry if I've been a little too solemn, but it's a heavy thing to digest. Uh, now that I got my head around, I see that you really got to work on that perspective while you got the chance to talk to your folks. You know, If you have kids, you know that the way you're looking at them is surely the way your parents look at you, and you need to connect with that and reach out to them and help them. And be, be a kid, sure. I mean, that's not, your job is not to save your parents or communicate and solve all their personal woes and all that. I mean, that's not your karma, as I'd say. But it would be very cool to be able to connect on that level as a human-to-human level, not a parent-to-kid level, while you have the chance to have this open, honest discussion. I'd say if you got that chance, do it now. And yeah, and hopefully while they're still around, you can recognize the hero in them because your parents, man, fuck. Look, <laughs> it's not an easy gig. I'm a, I, almost, I think every day, every day of my life, I'm like, um, how long before Max, who's two, how long before Max becomes this ravenous teenage kid who I cannot fucking keep fed? I know how I ate as a teenager, sloppy, but in large amounts. Here I'm going to have this little girl who, one, I'm already going to be fucking on the hook for giving her whatever she asked me for, because how am I going to say no? I'm just a giant fucking teddy bear. Here comes this little cute little girl who's my flesh incarnate and of the form, walking around with my heart and her body. I'm going to say No. <laughs> Uh, it's not looking good for Chris, um, but no, she's probably. I can just picture her being some little, you know, weightlifter volleyball player chick who's also going to eat me out of house and homes. So now I got to figure out how many fucking books do I got to sell to pay for all these eggs, or I get chickens, which is probably what <laughs> I'm gonna have a backyard just full of chicken coop, chicken coop, chicken coop. You know, I need I need a whole proper farm. I need to quit my job and have more industries here. But anyway, that's my. Experience. Let me let me also share why this week has been so intense. So there's that whole death thing. Fuck, let's get that out of the way. And so again, sorry to bum you out, but I thought it was worth talking about. It's my life, and I'd, I'd be dishonest if I didn't talk about everything that was basically going on in my existence. That's what this show is. It's a funnel for my ranting and raving. Sorry if I'm ranting and raving. Uh, the second point was that my mind, the second observation is my mind has been completely blown. Uh, and it didn't help that I also went and got the first ultrasound of May, my, my coming daughter, the next morning after we had my, my father pass. We talk about this is, this is yin-yang shit in real life. This is how you know that is more than some tacky art that you would find on a trapper keeper in, in a third grade classroom. The yin-yang thing is, and I read about it a little bit, is um, it's a simple diagram, this balance of yin and yang energy, up and down, left and right, Good and dark, not light and dark, not good and dark. This is not about bad and good. Um, a, a, a little circular dot within each corresponding to the opposite color, showing that they can, they're not really two separate things. It's the same thing, opposite poles. How even when the, the energy of one is most intense, a little tip of the other remains. So it's this perfect, you know, construction of balance been put together of like three thousand fucking years in, in China and Eastern religious philosophy circles. It's a real thing, and you see it at times where 
death makes way for life. And you just witness that firsthand in a span of fucking 24 hours, <clears throat> how real it is. Or when you see how, you know, such intense pain you can witness firsthand can be balanced by such sheer monumental joy and bliss when something goes the right way. Because each of these energies sort of gives rise to the other. You cannot even make sense of an intense joy until you have an intense pain that balances it and then gives rise to it. You know, it's... Uh, another guy I leaned on a lot during this was... Um, I played him at my dad's funeral. Um, fuck the Beatle. George Harrison, the best underrated Beatle of all time. Like, kind soul, spiritual guy. Uh, one of those songs he wrote... All It, it must be All Things Must Pass. But he talks about how, <clears throat> you know, no, no sunrise lasts all morning... You know, no, and also no cloud remains overhead or, you know, all those kind of elements. Things move along um, and the, the, the bad shit gives way to things like this, which is, man, fuck. For those of you who have kids, you know the sight when you see your kids squirming around like a little alien fetus <laughs> on the monitor. And then this, this physician is skillfully, um, not physician, or, or, well, yeah, physician, or OBGYN, is skillfully sort of zooming in and out of my kid's brain case and showing me every layer of the vertebrae and as they're little fucking radius and all that twitches and twerves and their their femurs stretch out and look for room and their little toes spread apart. It's fucking ridiculously, intensely joyful and mind-blowing. I don't know how you... I mean, normal people go, oh, yeah, ultrasound, whatever, I'm bored, let's get out of here, honey. Oh, well, yeah, we'll mail those pictures to our parents, whatever. I, I have an experience like that, and I think the meditation and everything really helps us come into sharp, joyful focus. You fucking have an experience like that, and it just train wrecks you with, with mind. I mean, I don't have to have any fairy tale or special book or anything to to communicate to me how special and awesome life is. When I just sit in that room, I go, I can't even fucking think about how I'm going to live when I get this room. This is so intense. I mean, my kid is squirming around on a computer screen. Nothing in here <laughs> makes sense to my meathead mind. It's so it's such a trip. But um, I'll tell you what comes out of this. Oh, there's one more thing. I was going to make a point. I got I see my notes here. There's that sheer balance of joy and, <clears throat> and pain and all that and life and death and there's a stark humor. One more thing I'll say about my pops is that for my whole life, this is actually an interesting thing. This is not a bummer thing, but my whole life, my dad had this mustache, a big fucking Ron Burgundy anchorman style mustache. I have never in 33 years, this is my 33rd year coming up, boom. Um, I've never seen him without it. Never, ever. Only in pictures when my brother was younger. He decided to grow this thing. He's like, fuck, I look good with a mustache. And the man kept it indefinitely until he died. <laughs> But what they did was, I guess we told them we were planning all that shit, un dark comedy again here. We're planning, like, well, should we shave him, Mom? I'm like, well, well, shit, I guess he'd, he'd want to look presentable, you know, shave his cheeks, give him a clean shave. You know, I'm not thinking they take the mustache, but when we show up and see him the next, you know, when the ceremony starts, the guy's got no mustache. And at first I'm like, holy shit, my dad looks completely different, oddly different. And I'm sitting down and I'm like thinking, well, I know I should be sad and shit, but um, I can't get over the mustache. I, oh no! No, I didn't even notice the mustache. I go, I can't, I can't, I can't get over the fact he's so different looking. I go, holy shit, the mustache is gone. I go, isn't it a weird twist of of fate that here I am in this situation where my dad has passed and all that, but of all the days where I could have seen him without a mustache, it's this, the very last one that I see his his upper lip. It's probably twenty years younger and everything else around his face. That was just crazy. I mean. I could see him almost laughing about it. like, <laughs> you know, isn't this just the way you'd, you'd see it working out? Uh, so there's all that, there's all good, these good experiences, but I'll tell you what's, what I'm left with. Last week was the deepest brain fog, this just heavy, 
intense. I can't fucking rub two neurons together to get anything going up there feeling. And it was crazy. Um, and at the time I get frustrated by it because, you know, you don't really, you can't make sense of anything there because after all, your brain is mush. It's, it's a big blandless or blandful, uh, I don't know if that's a word, blandful, bland, <laughs> salt-free bowl of oatmeal. It's got no sugar in it or anything. It's just gloopy and room temperature. And it's just trying to make sense of everything once again. Um, it was so incredible. My, 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 my recovery um, strategy through all of this, because I've been keeping that in mind, like, wow, you know, how am I going to get back to, to being able to wrap decent thoughts around things again? Because that's, that's what I get most joy out of, my life, you know? Go wrap the thoughts around things, you know? Uh, it's what I do. I rant and shit. I comment. I, I'm an opinionated dude. Uh, so what did I do? I go, well, I got to move. And I tried the train one day, and whoa, <laughs> that was, I had just no ability to exert a, a, a motor impulse against any other external object. I tried to lift a barbell and, you know, I think I picked up, I think I did a squat with like 400 pounds and usually I'm, I'm fat enough or usually that's, that's not a very hard lift at all. It's, I just, I do that just about every time I walk out in the garage just cause it's, it's sort of like my stretch <clears throat> gives me life, but I could barely stand up with it. And I go, you know what? I've been around the rodeo block plenty of times now to know that this is just a transient thing and that I've probably paid way more of a, a debt to this experience that I'm, I realize. I mean, really, you got to keep in mind about stress is that it's sneaky as fuck. You know, it's, it's taken me my whole training career to really understand it uh, on a personal level and how to get around it and how to be okay with doing something that will allow yourself to decrease the stress levels, right? You got to keep in mind that stress is, you, can't, you can hardly notice it because you're this hardworking person. You know, Mrs. So-and-so, God bless you. You're training hard. You're doing whatever out there in audience land. You know, Mr. So-and-so, you're, you're, you're a hard-working CrossFitter guy. You're going to fucking grab the life by the balls and stretch the scrotum out and get exactly what you want. I love that shit. I appreciate that. God bless you. You're my fucking friend. But I know you because you're just like me and the fact that you hate to take days off. When work blows up, you say, fuck it, man. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to crush the wad. I'm going to get this productivity back. I'm going to make something of this day. That's all fire and good. There's just one little problem in that it doesn't really work that way. You can't, you can't outrun stress. You know, I talked to, uh, maybe last week on the show about, um, was it last week? I commented about how, yeah, <clears throat> you can't fight your sexual urges because sex was a thing before humans were a thing. And it has led to everything on earth, and it led to you. And you really can't outdo what created you. You are a slave to that. So look, if you're, if all you want to do is dress up in a big squirrel furry outfit and go in the backyard and hump a log, that's what your sexual preference is. Uh, you're gonna have to do that <laughs> in some form. Uh, you're gonna have to embrace it. If you run from that, you're gonna wind your, you're gonna, you're gonna find yourself holding up a book that bashes squirrel lovers, and you're gonna talk to everybody about how evil and bad it is. And all this shit, and you're gonna in, in your secret life, you're gonna be all about it. You can't. You'll be so consumed with it; it's all you'll be able to do. It's like Ted Haggard when he came out, and he was so against homosexuality and and all this shit. And it turns out he was a closet homosexual who was a meth addict as well. It, that's the yin and yang thing as well. Isn't that interesting? Um, you can look at these people in the in the media or whatever, or look at yourself in some. I hope you're not on the Ted Ted Haggard level, friend. <laughs> but you can look at some instances, maybe not extreme, where the more you fought the one thing the more you gave in to the opposite thing. Like, the more you tried not to eat the ice cream for months and months and months because one fucking drop would make you fat, a little piggy pig. And then all of a sudden, you're like, fuck it, I give in to it. And now your, your whole 
habit, your whole dietary scheme of things is destroyed and lays in tatters at your feet. And you're fucking 40 pounds heavier after a year of mindless munching. <clears throat> Maybe not even that long. And you're wondering what happened. Well, it's because you didn't honor that yin-yang thing. <laughs> you didn't recognize that uh, the one energy gives rise to the other and they work together. They're not different. So in a case of like, um, like cheat meals is the best example. Because why do you have a cheat meal every week? Why do we have Vice Friday? We, well, we have Vice Friday because we're spurring on a sense of reverence. We're appreciating the fact that we're alive and we're in a position to fucking eat donuts and little tiny miniature um, cinnamon, uh, cinnamon rolls that our wife made on Saturday morning, which was today. <laughs> uh, drink a half bottle of scotch, you know, do whatever the fuck. You know, we're alive, we're living. Uh, and despite what you would think, prudes, <laughs> these things are better off because they give you a satisfaction, they give you a, a smile. They allow you to experience altered states of consciousness and make you smarter and, and more insightful and more uh, humble and reserved, more understanding and empathetic towards other people, which is all good shit. <clears throat> but also it restores in you a desire to, to pursue the diet, to pursue the training program, to pursue the work ethic during the week. Because you let loose and let the cork out, you now have this ability to be disciplined. And because you were so disciplined, because you're so tired from it, now you need the release. This is what gives you, this is the pump of your fucking life. That's why we do it. I'm not just being a slob saying go out and eat ice cream on Friday night, homie. I'm not, I'm not just a fat ass. I'm, I'm plenty fat, but I'm doing it for a specific reason. It's because this makes us happy. This allows us to kick ass on everything else. Like if we don't party hard, we can't work hard at anything. So keep that in mind. One thing I happen to believe uh, is that before we can say that we truly believe in something, before we can say that this is a part of who we are, this is my philosophy, this is my practice, this is how I live my life, we have to have something to test it against. And it needs to be able to withstand those, those tougher times, the pressure. And if there's ever going to be something that is going to challenge that, our beliefs, what we, how, how we show up in the world, Chris experiencing the death of a parent is right up there towards the top of, of, of having to have these beliefs and these philosophies tested. But in such a beautifully poetic and artistic way, Chris is able to transform his pain and suffering into something that is uh, a, a gift, a gift to other people, which is wisdom and, and, and insight and he does that in this episode so beautifully. And um, yeah, let's start from the top. Chris is, at this point in his story, his father has just passed away. And he's been off of the creation game for a little while. And he's sitting back with us um, for, for the first time in a while. And he, he starts by mentioning you know, the, the, the moment that he had with his, by, with his father where he started seeing him as a person and not, not just his, not just his dad, right? He started relating to him on a level that he had never had an opportunity before. And, um, I, I personally resonate with that quite a bit. I, uh, have a father who has, um, struggled with his health, um, who I see, especially in my younger years, saw as very stubborn, um, not desiring to put himself first or take care of himself. And um, it's taken me many years, but I've come slowly back to the realization that really what he was doing is he was protecting um, 
me and, and my siblings, his kids, uh, from suffering. He was, he was trying to protect us from suffering. And um, I, too, you know, considered him a, a stubborn asshole, as Chris put it. And, and it is so true that, you know, with just a slight pivot or, or change of the lens, that same person can become your hero. And um, Chris, having that realization really spoke to me because my relationship with my father, his health, um, you know, that, that has been strained. And it's mostly been strained because I haven't had the wisdom or the years to put myself in his place. And um, now that I'm married and building and constructing my own life, it, the, those types of decisions, those types of uh, and I don't have children, and, and I'm glad that, you know, in many ways I'm starting to come to this realization before I have children, first of all. And second of all, I do have the opportunity to start mending and, and growing that relationship with my father. And, and what Chris was compelling us to do, especially at the first part of that, of that rant, was to, you know, remind us, hey, if you still have your parents, um, spend some time reflecting on how you might be able to see them on a human level, see them as a person and not just your parent. How can you connect with them on a more human level? And if you have the opportunity, you know, can you reach out to them and, and try to try to establish that relationship? Um, relationships are not one-sided and, you know, a lot of times we might put up boundaries as to why we can mend relationships because we just assume that the other person won't want it or, you know, there's lots of reasons uh, in many cases where, you know, mending a relationship can be more challenging than others. But the point is, if you have that opportunity, take it, man. It's really, it's very, very powerful. Okay. So that's, that's how he opens is, is telling us this circumstance um, that's going on in his life. And, and in many ways, this is what we would consider like a, the dark side of the energy spectrum. Okay. And, and now Chris's deep seated philosophy, the balance philosophy, the yin and the yang and seeing it play out in real life. He does an incredible job of highlighting these opportunities in our real daily life to see the yin and the yang play out. So he has on the one hand or on the one side, he has the heaviness, the darkness, of losing a parent, the, the the heaviness, the darkness of coming to these realizations, and you know, like he said, not not dealing with regret, no time for that, but but sitting with how impactful these moments can be, okay, and then very shortly thereafter, and I think he said within a day or so, going into the uh, OBGYN to see his incoming daughter move around in the womb with the modern technology and you know miracle of technology that we have and it being such a light moment the this almost the same level or depth of feeling and emotion but instead of that feeling or that depth being full with a dark energy it's immediately contrasted with the lightest of the light the joyous most joyous of the joy and you know, Chris was always on a mission to see this play out. He talks about it in training, and he's using this, these two extreme, extreme examples to highlight the true power of seeing the, uh, the yin and the yang, the dark and the light, as not only, uh, you know, something that we experience, but also a necessary component. He keeps saying one gives rise to the other, and it's because he's had this deep, experience, this dark experience with his father passing away that he's able to claim or able to fully realize how light, how incredible, how magical real life can be. The closest thing that I have to compare to that is 
running my business and, you know, having a new marriage. Because, you know, balancing these two things for me um, can be very challenging. One, because I, I like my wife is also a coach and, and she coaches at recess, right? So there's there's that and that inner dynamic is, is always going to be somewhat challenging, like creating boundaries around relationships and, uh, and you know, professional and personal. But the point being is that, you know, recess as a as an experience has been very, very challenging. And and it's also been very rewarding, don't get me wrong, but you know, the the depth that I would have to dig to to really keep this thing going was something that I couldn't have imagined on the front end. And so a lot of this stress, so to speak, was peaking right around the same time as my upcoming or excuse me, as my wedding was was upcoming at the time, right? So this is the end of the summer, early uh, fall, in between like the August uh, and September months leading up to October. The the business was peaking in terms of pressure, peaking in terms of intensity and, and weight. And at the same time, I have this complete opposite experience, this this light, light, light feeling of getting married and whisking away on the honeymoon. And I remember being pretty hard on myself for, uh, I guess feeling stressed that my business was, you know, pressing on me a little bit. I felt guilty about that because like, oh, this time in my life, like I should be only feeling one side of these, of this, of this equation, which is the light side. And um, Chris is coming in again to remind us that it's not about pushing one out and keeping the other. It's about allowing yourself to live through both because the pressure on one side allows us to have the other. Um, the, the, the intensity of you know recess and my business and all these things, it's, it's digging out the hole a little bit deeper so that when the joy cup comes in, when the marriage comes in, when the honeymoon comes in, when, when all this beautiful flood of emotion and happiness floods in, that we have space to hold it and we don't just let it go uh, too quickly. Okay, so look for opportunities to see the yin and the yang play out in real life. And again, this is such a deep-seated um, part of Chris's philosophy. And here he is in real time living this philosophy, seeing it play out. And I think that that's what he really wanted us to, to know is, is there's all this opportunity to see these deeper principles playing out in our life. And if we're too busy living in our head, if we're too busy imagining the future, if we're too busy... Uh, 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 like looking, reminiscing about the past, we miss these beautiful opportunities to see magic play out in real times. Another strong part of Chris's philosophy is not, uh, not pushing away the valleys of life, allowing the valleys of life to be what they are. Chris said, you cannot outrun stress. And I could not agree more. I, that's, I've only experienced that in my life. Um, we have, well, if we have different energies, you know, the light and the dark and one gives way to the other, these, this cloud that Chris is experiencing, this grief of his father passing, it's not just going to be here and be gone tomorrow. Some of these things can take, you know, days, months, and, you know, depending on the circumstances, even years for these clouds to move on. And the point is don't try to push them away sooner than they're ready to go. We have to be willing to allow ourselves to, uh, when we're pushed, allow ourselves to 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 pull that into our uh, into our practice and into our like daily life, and not try to fight it. You know, you can't 
you can't try to push past these valleys of life. You have to just go through them, and some valleys take longer to pass through than others, okay? So he is literally putting these philosophies into practice, and that's why this episode was um, so impactful and special to me. Um, and then he closes beautifully that little section with why we celebrate Vice Friday, and, and he ties it all together. So again, um, we're talking about like starting with seeing our parents as real people, um, seeing the inner dynamics of the yin and the yang play out in real life, seeing these opportunities to recognize magic happening, allowing for those valleys to, to show up in life, not feeling that we have to rush through them because we cannot outrun stress. And the reason that we do all of these things or one of the things that, we, excuse me, like one of the things that we can do to create a, a ritual around the peaks and valleys of life is to set up Vice Friday. Chris says we celebrate Vice Friday because we're alive, because we're living. And damn, that is just so fucking true. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm truly stunned. Uh, this, this episode shook me. And it, and I've I've heard it before, but this 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 week it it had me sh- it shook me a little bit. Um, the connections between my father, uh, the, the, you know, and, and the struggling of health and 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 coming to that realization in real time, like what a what an amazing um, gift Chris is giving me to take more urgency into managing and mending that relationship. So thank you to that. And again, if you have the opportunity to do that, I I would encourage you to do the same. Um, seeing opportunities for the yin and the yang to play out in my life. And uh, that's why I continue to celebrate Vice Friday, to cultivate this practice of recognizing when to uh, 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 chase the, chase, I don't know, chase the dragon so much, but like chase that next step and when to like back off and allow things to be where they are and finding that right timing to push forward again and then and then knowing when to back off. And, and Vice Friday is like, the, the little bow that Chris puts on all of this right here at the end of the clip by saying, this is why we do this. It isn't just for no reason. He's not, he said he's not doing it because he's fat. He's doing it because it serves like a deep philosophical purpose in his life. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm uh, truly in, in awe of, of him living this out, being able to put his philosophies up against the most some of the most extreme pressures of life, and here they are withstanding the tests that are thrown at him. So um, that's all I have to share about this today. I do want to let Chris close the show like only he can. He has a, he's going to read. Um, he's just publishing his book. That's another part of the story. He's just publishing his book, Way Past Strong, and um, he has a chapter that he wants to read. It's one of my favorite chapters of his book, and so I thought that'd be a great way to close the show this week. If you're enjoying this, please head over to wherever you found this podcast. Please rate it five stars. Please leave a kind comment. Um, hit me up on Instagram, at Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. Hit me up on the uh, Facebook if you want to, or you can reach out to me, Brooks Memphis, excuse me, Brooks Meadows on Instagram and um, Coach Brooks Meadows on, on Facebook. Um, all right, man, that's it. I uh, No more plugs for me. This is, this, is, uh, this is Chris' show, man, and uh, I'm going to let him close it like only he can. Chris, man, it's your turn. Take it away. Uh, before I leave you guys, let me just hit, I'm gonna do one more thing because it's fun and it's an easy thing to do. And, uh, it's a fun thing to do. We're gonna do story time, but I'm gonna do it with uh, a section out of the new book. 
So I released this a couple of days ago, Way Past Strong, Tales of Strength, Philosophy, Life, Family, Science, Advice, a compilation of works uh, your buddy Chris has put out. Uh, and broken down into four sections. So this is going to be on Kindle this weekend. Sometime I'll probably announce it Monday. I'm also trying to get it on the iTunes store. You'll get it in uh, a simple text form in Kindle and, and a fa- little bit fancier form on iTunes because, you know, it's got the, the iPad touch thing, man, and all that shit. Uh, on my website, store.barbabuddha.com, you can get a enhanced PDF, which has got some bonus pictures and stuff in it. Uh, and it comes with a little two-hour informal, pretty fun little talk I did, and I recorded it called 10 uh, Steps Towards Maximal Strength, Simple Steps Towards Maximal Strength something. Basically, 10 little pearls that if you do those things, you're going to get stronger and you'll be happier in a gym, I think. I believe that to be true. I try to make it really entertaining to listen to. If you, hey, listen, if, you, if you've downloaded that, tell me what you think of it. I mean, what I'll probably do is maybe reshoot it in front of an audience or something, and <clears throat> if I ever do that this next com- coming months or so, or if I add that into another product, I might just like refresh that talk and bounce it back out to you guys. But tell me what you think. If you found those little tin pearls useful, let me know. But what do I want out of this book? I wanted to give you like four sections that are on the, the four main topics I've been thinking about most the last six months or so, which is the time it took me to produce this book, basically. Write it and edit it and do all that shit. But it's broken up the four primary sections, which are on you know forming your own personal training philosophy, learning the importance of set and setting. You know, Basically, one of the keys to training is if you can get around big, strong, awesome, friendly, funny, interesting people, you're going to be that in, in short order without trying. So it's hugely important. Also, mindfulness. How do you actually become more mindful and aware, and how does that make you stronger? And then a section on vice, on how you incorporate um, cheat meals and all that, sure, but also a, a more selfish attitude, a more stubborn attitude, a more driven attitude to better yourself. I mean, kind of breaking through some assumptions we make that really hold us back. So I think that's basically the tone of this book. What I want to actually do is I'm going to read <laughs> – I thought I'd do story time, um, but just read from one of these sections because – I don't think I've ever read Heavy Duty Mantra, and I posted it, um, but I don't think I've read this out. I think it'd be entertaining for you. And maybe I'll also play a little music um, under this to kind of play us out to, man. But uh, I'll read it to you. If you like what you hear, I mean, maybe you could be so kind. You can support the podcast. You can support the website by just picking up a copy. Uh, it's not too much. I try to keep the price. It basically justifies the existence of this book. It helps me pay for the fact that I had to get it printed. <laughs> And it compensates a little bit for the like the fee of having a website. You know how this shit goes, man. No one's getting rich off of books. But yeah, I want people to be able to take this and have it with them. And if they can learn something from it, great. And also make enough money to where I can now take this little chunk of this little nest egg and then make another creative thing for you again in, in three months or so. So it's, I'm just really spinning the wheel and to see what interesting happens. You know, Why think too far in the future? Uh, but yeah, this is Heavy Duty Mantra. I'll read it to you now. I think maybe you'll get a kick out of it. <clears throat> No silly voices, as I drink a little bit more of my coffee. No silly voices, no, no overtones, no performance goal here. I just want to read it to you. See what you think. Mm. Again, if you have thoughts on this book, you've read it, you had that talk. Um, if you have questions about what this might be about, reach out to me, man, through the website or Facebook or Twitter, whatever. But let's go. Without further ado, this is a heavy-duty mantra. Uh, mantra, a sound, syllable, word, or sentence that is considered capable of creating transformation. Uh, keep that in mind. I suppose I didn't put too much thought into the phrase at first. The line had a nice ring to it. Short and sweet. It made me feel good. Smile, sip, lift heavy. Why not? The second bit is maybe the easiest part to start with. 
I am a coffee lover, to put it mildly. From my view, the beverage is more than just a soothing drink. It's a sacrament. It's a daily ritual where we take in this powerful, psychoactive, white, crystal, and xanthan alkaloid in order to set off a creative firecracker in our minds. Anything that powerful and delicious should be respected, utilized, and appreciated dearly. Isn't that right? The first bit about smiling might take just a bit more explaining. Uh, consider an example. No one wants to get big, strong, lean, fast, fit, just because it's cool, right? No, 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 of course not. We want those things, <coughs> excuse me, as cool as they may be, because we're pretty sure they'll make us happy and content. That's the whole point. The trick is that they do not, not while there are still humans walking around who are bigger, stronger, leaner, faster, fitter, or whatever. You know this to be true. This contrast only highlights the fact that we are rarely happy with who we are right now, something we have the, the power to change as well. Most of us realize how silly it is to crave more and more shit. It's a cliche for a reason, right? This is just another case of something being much easier said than done. Here we are, chatting at a controlled pace. My rational brain is doing the talking. However, if you flash something I want before my eyes, you know, like a dozen maple bourbon bacon donuts and a pint of chocolate milk, in an instant, you'll see evidence of my tinkered primate brain grinding away back behind the curtain of this higher consciousness. You can't simply outrun your deep history. The impulse is nearly impossible to control. That is, unless you take extraordinary measures and train yourself to do something better. <laughs> a little bit of, I should put um, sarca sarcasm italics around that or something. <clears throat> Everyone knows about meditation. Quite possibly you've tried it. Regardless of your experience, what do you think about the purpose is, actually? Is it all about the mantra, the ritual, the rambling guru shtick? Perhaps the goal is to trigger an actual spiritual awakening. Perhaps. I wouldn't rule it out. But I think, too, that the, the real truth here is far more obvious and ordinary. To put it as simply as possible, meditation is nothing more than practice. You practice controlling the impulse. You practice recalling warm moments in your life, times where you've been overcome with joy, love, satisfaction, or compassion, or maybe even grief. Times where you've genuinely proud during one of those tough but successful lifts of yours. To put it simpler still, this is the act of fucking practicing happiness. I know it sounds too easy, so it must be bullshit. But this is anything but easy, really. It's, it's work, and you should commit to it daily. Every time you conjure up the imagery of that beach retreat, your child's perfect smile, or that steaming cup of spiced wine on a cool fall evening, oh, is that a good experience? Your brain reinforces the pathway just a little, a basic training adaptation like any other. Those thoughts start to come easier in time, displacing the mad rush of random images and the buzzing that usually occupies your headspace. Really, baby, this is no different from getting stronger. Get your reps in, and you'll have your reward. I should point out that the opposite is just as true. If you're practicing losing control at every possible fucking opportunity, then you shouldn't be surprised when you master the destructive behavior itself. After all, that's what you've been training for. <laughs> Isn't it so obvious? Uh, but don't worry. This need not progress any further. You don't have to move on to the next level, marked by a propensity for embarrassing yourself at parties in front of attractive girls. As I said earlier, it always remains your choice, homie. I do understand the motive, however, points to you, uh, that emotion, that motive. It's true that you must be sufficiently focused and roused to lift a heavy-ass barbell from the ground. But rousing is not that different than putting on cologne, dear friends. Always remember that a little dash goes a long way. 
You don't want to go around stinging up every room you walk into. <clears throat> Just respect the emotions you're drawing up. They can be a danger to your happiness. It's a real mistake to manufacture anger for the sake of a successful repetition. I should know I was guilty of that practice for many, many long, embarrassing meathead years. In my experience, a few things are true here. First, this thing, as a strategy, just doesn't work. Anything more than a quick huff and a puff is only likely to distract, disorganize, and prematurely fatigue you. You'll lift less, doubt yourself more often, and then you'll become really good at being miserable in the fucking gym. Second, you should save the yelling and screaming for the rabid, hormone-enabled teenage boys currently stalking your neighborhood streets or the classic puffy-faced meathead lifters who have been in this far too long to know any better alternative. That's not just good enough for us. Well, <clears throat> sorry. That's not good enough for us, though. You and I can do much, 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 much better. The obvious truth here is that the barbell can always get heavier. For that glaring reason alone, we should temper our hubris a bit. Uh, but more obvious still, why claim victory over something that is really nothing more than a teacher for you? Why should training be considered a sort of bloody battle when it is really nothing more than a series of practical lessons, a relationship you've cultivated and developed like any other? You should know that the heavy emotion adds nothing to the experience, just weighs you down. It dulls you, it demotivates, it actually labors to keep you weak. We really can do much better than this. And we should. And we will. <laughs> That mantra is a reminder of the happiness that starts with just a smile. A fresh cup of coffee can only make things better, of course, and sip away you should, because it helps the world seem even brighter and shiner than usual. Finally, when the time comes, put everything you've got into that, that third bit of the mantra. Lift heavy and often. My recommendation is that you use it. Remind yourself daily just how fortunate you are to even be in a position to engage the barbell, to be happy and healthy and mobile and vigorous and rousable. <laughs> Remind yourself of why it's important to you and why it keeps you smiling So, for so many years. It's not about how much you lift, of course, but it's about the act itself. It reveals and represents something for you. And sure, it might very well be a full-on spiritual experience. I hope that for you. But in those simple terms, it's nothing more than a daily act of personal calibration, continual progressive refinement of the flesh and the ego. Yes, indeed. The mantra has been repeated many times many times. And look at me, transforming still. I think I'll keep this up. Friends, that's all I got. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Reach out to me if you have any questions. I look forward to talking to you later, later in the week. Brighter clouds, brighter skies are coming, friends. Let's keep shit blue. I'll talk to you soon. Namaste. Peace, love. Cheers, friends.